This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. So, a, a key value for us as a church is the full gospel of Jesus Christ. So what that means is, is that we talk about things that sometimes are uncomfortable, but we, it's like a core value for us that we want to not only talk about the kingdom, we want to demonstrate the kingdom. Not only share a nice message, but actually show Jesus to people. Okay, so even last night, going to the, the youth camp, I know many, many young people struggle to believe in the reality of God. So I want to show them Jesus. So I'd often share stories of miracles to reveal the reality of God. And so when it comes to the ministry of Jesus, when he did ministry, he went everywhere declaring the kingdom of God is at hand. And then what did he do? He demonstrated the kingdom. What did he do? He cast out demons. He healed the sick. He pointed everybody to God. Okay. And so yesterday evening, I was praying for most of the day. I just really, really been seeking the Lord's face. And, um, as my wife and I arrived at the youth camp, there was a young man who's not in our church. He's, he's he, I think his, his, his family's in another church. But so there was a monkey that came into one of the, the dorms where they were um, sleeping and during the day, and so he wanted to like scare the monkey away, and then I think the monkey scratched him or something, didn't break the skin, but just he had a bit of a, he had a bit of a scare. But the thing triggered him. So when, when I came there, he was sitting on the grass, and he was shaking. It was like, it looked like he was having a panic attack. He could hardly speak, sweat running down his forehead, his whole body was like trembling. And I immediately know that this is a demon. There's a demonic spirit influencing this young man. Now, in the world's perspective, let's say he's having a panic attack. Let's get him onto medication and, and book him away. But I knew that there's a demon influencing him. And so I asked him, okay, what's happening? So he, he tried to speak, struggled to speak, but he sort of said, no, it reminded him of something that happened some years ago. And then I kept on asking. At some point, we figured out that in 2019 or something, there was a farm attack and there were a bunch of people that tried to kill him and his family. So it triggered him. The fear of death, the fear of man, that trauma opened a door in his life. And here now when this monkey thing happened, it triggered him and he is now manifesting a demonic influence. And so I prayed with him. We start off by, by forgiving the people that came to attack his family. And then we renounced, we broke off the spirit of death, broke off the, the fear of man, of people. And then we cast it out in the name of Jesus. And within a few minutes, he was completely set free. Amen. Come on, praise Jesus. So I share that because I want to reveal to you the reality of the demonic. You see, the kingdom of God, when the kingdom of God comes, it clashes with the kingdom of darkness. And so often we, you know, you think about Jesus, he's the Prince of Peace. And when we think about the Holy Spirit, he's called the Comforter. 
So you're thinking, oh, I'm coming to Jesus. Everything's going to be so peaceful. Everything's going to be so wonderful. And then we don't realize the reason the Holy Spirit is called the comforter is because you're going to need some comfort. Because it's going to be uncomfortable. And the reason you're going to need Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is because there's going to be a lot of storms in life. Kingdoms clashing. We need him. And so sometimes when we come into the kingdom of God or we come in our lives of Jesus, we're thinking like, everything's going to be so nice and wonderful and easy and calm. And then all hell breaks loose and you're like, what on earth is going on? And you're confused. So um, a few years ago, I, I went to speak at one of the primary schools in town. And uh, I spoke about superheroes because young people love superhero things. So I was speaking about Jesus, the ultimate superhero. And then because I wanted to show the young people the reality of God, I put photos on screen of people who have been like cancers disappearing off people's body. It was medic- medically verified afterwards. I mean, stage four cancers and a whole bunch of incredible things. I wanted to show them the reality of God. And I shared with him about Jesus, the ultimate superhero, and he wants to also do incredible things through, uh, through, through these young people. In the end, I made an altar call and I called them and the whole school got up like, yes, Jesus. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. But I remember the previous, I, I, li- I almost prayed right through the night, only slept a few hours because I was just had this burden to pray for the school and for these young people. And so a f- I thought, hey, it was a great morning. Probably uncomfortable for some people, maybe the teachers, but uh, <laughs> the kingdom came. And so a few days later, I received an email from one of the teachers. Now, you, and it was one of the ugliest, most offensive emails I have ever received in my life. It accused me of being the most arrogant person that she has ever met. I'm like, for what? For 10 minutes of talking about Jesus, the ultimate superhero, and giving evidence for the power of God. Now, you would think, and I said it multiple times, I can do nothing. It's only Jesus that do miracles. I made it clear. But so, you would think it was maybe an atheist that was offended with talking about the miracle working power of God. It wasn't. This lady, teacher, also a leader at one of the churches in town. And I realized, I was like, I was so taken aback. I mean, it upset me. It's like, what? I'm like, Christian. And I realized that from her context and her church tradition, it's like, as, as Jesus said that, you know, he rebuked the Pharisees at some point and he said that you, your, your church tradition is making the word of God void. You're fighting against the word of God because of your church tradition. And so in her church tradition, it's like miracles don't happen anymore. And it definitely doesn't happen through a person's prayer. So if you claim to have had a genuine, authentic, undeniable miracle happen through your prayers, you're probably lying and you're full of yourself. That was her context. And so even as the kingdom of God came, there was pushback from Christian. You know, I think that's one of the most difficult things in the Christian walk. Not the unbeliever. It's often the Christians. That makes it really difficult, really complicated. We see it in Jesus' ministry. Who were the ones that opposed him the most? The religious crowd. Those who claimed to follow God were the most opposed to his ministry. And so that's what one of the, some of the things that makes it difficult. But these voices, they can linger. 
Those moments in your life when you step out and you want to follow Jesus or you talk, share about Jesus, then the enemy sometimes uses people to shut you up. Don't you ever do that again. There's like protocol or altar call. Altar call. We will call people to Jesus. You know, but the enemy wants to shut us up. And so I felt the Lord speak to me. I felt the Lord say to me that my church is sick with the fear of man. My church is sick with the fear of man. There are these moments in our lives where, where we get wounded or hurt or shamed or whatever. And that and the enemy uses it to push us into a corner. Shut up. Stop talking about Jesus. That kind of thing. There's this, there's assault. So we're doing a series about called Jesus above it all. First message we spoke about, but the, 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 one of the keys for seeing Jesus above it all is to be in awe of God. Jesus above it all. So be in awe. The fear of God, the holy reverence for God. Then last week we spoke, so we, 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 we wanted to kill some idols in our lives. So last week we spoke about potent praise that pulverizes idols. Okay, and today I want to focus on destroying the idol of the fear of man, which is connected to man-pleasing, people-pleasing, instead of God-pleasing. It's one of the biggest obstacles to the kingdom of God coming, people-pleasing, fear of man. Okay, so we want to, we want to break that down and trusting for the Lord to, to really come and set us free today. Amen. Right. So Matthew 11 verse 11. It says, Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. So Jesus speaking and he's saying there's no, all the Old Testament prophets, there's no one greater than John the Baptist because he prepared the way for Jesus. The Messiah, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. This is the invitation. This is the potential of the believer who has surrendered to God. Even greater than John the Baptist. Every one of us can be greater than John the Baptist when we are fully surrendered to the Lord and we do his will. So a few weeks ago, I shared this picture of a compass. Let's put the compass on. So the compass is like reveals your spirit. When you are born again, your spirit will point north, point to Jesus. You want to follow God. And then I shared that when an idol, another God, something else, if our affections move to other things, it's like adding a magnet to the compass and it pulls your compass off track. So you're still thinking, I'm following, I'm, I'm on my way to Jesus, but you're actually offline. And you're going the wrong direction. There's like this deep, deep deception that comes in because of idols, other gods. Now, if the Holy Spirit is leading you one way, the fear of man will lead you in the exact opposite way. If you and I allow the fear of man, people pleasing into our lives, the Lord will say this way, but the fear of man will leave you this way. That is the impact of the fear of man 
It makes us people pleasers instead of God pleasers. And we miss it. Okay, so this is massive. This is massive. Especially for us as spirit-filled believers, we believe God is leading us by His Holy Spirit. If the voice of God is leading you one way, the fear of man will lead you the other way. If the Word of God is saying, be bold for God, be bold for Jesus, the fear of man will tell you, shut up. Not at work. Don't talk about Jesus at work. Don't talk to your family about God, Jesus. Be quiet. That's the fear of man. It 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 shuts us up and put us in a corner. Okay, so we want to we want to break that off our lives. So verse twelve. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Now, if you look at the context, the kingdom of God is violently coming. That's what it's saying. The kingdom of God is violently pushing and clashing with the kingdom of darkness. And it says the violent, the violent take it by force. You see, for some people in the churchianity, it is like the highest value in churchianity is Be nice. Be nice. Don't rock the boat. Be nice. Is that a biblical principle? No, we are not called to be nice. We're called to love people passionately, and that means we're going to speak. We're going to give the truth. Real love speaks the truth. But the enemy wants to shut us up. Be quiet. Be nice. Don't rock the boat. Christianity at its core is rock the boat. Come against ungodly traditions. Come and shake this world and tell them the truth of what is what would happen if they die without a living relationship with Jesus. We are called to proclaim from the rooftops the truth. Why? Because we love them. And if you look in the scriptures, it's always been about <laughs> rocking the boat. Jesus Rocked the boat. Made it uncomfortable for everyone. The religious guys, the world, the leaders. John the Baptist, same thing. That way he was locked up. It is about rocking the boat because love demands us to obey God. To move, to do. Okay? So the kingdom of God, the violent, the passionate, take it by force. So there's a passion that God is calling us into, a passion in prayer, a passion. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. But the enemy wants to be like, have us sit in the corner and, little Jesus, please. No, he's the king of the universe. You are partnering with a God who made it all and he calls you to pray with passion and with fire. That's why I love to, often I would just get up in my house and walk up and down, just proclaiming, praying in the spirit, declaring the truth of God, assaulting the powers of darkness so that the kingdom can come in. And I said last week about potent praise is not as singing a nice little song. It's declaring who he is. It is warfare. It is warfare. Everything about us, it's warfare. Kingdoms clashing. When, when, they, when the kingdom, for the kingdom of God to come, another kingdom must 
give way. But the enemy wants to shut us up. The enemy wants us to be passive. The enemy wants us to, to, to lack confidence, to be ashamed, to be guilt-ridden, or feel condemned, or, or whatever else, instead of partnering with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Kingdoms clashing. The kingdom of God is coming violently. That is the truth. Okay, and then we see this in the life of Jesus. So even this last week um, at the at the Fivefold Academy, the one Tuesday night, uh, prayed for a lady, and after that she, she had an encounter with God, and then she started this the demonic thing in her was was uh, you know awakened almost, came to the fore, and so um, last week Monday she she came to 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 me with some other people so we could pray for her because there's was this just like a Stuff happening. I mean, she's a mature believer in Christ, a follower of Jesus, and there was some stuff happening within her. So now we're praying for her, and uh, at some point she 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 like manifests and she's on the floor, and you know it's <laughs> it's a wild, it's wild. But I, I go like, what is this thing? Because we've prayed for her multiple times. What's going on here? And then. At some point, as we address this thing again, I tell you the next moment when this demon, it was like the, the strong man, there's like the main demon that was influencing her, it manifested. It was the ugliest, freakiest facial expression I have seen. You know, you just feel, hey, okay. Now we have some action here, this evil smile. And, uh, and I, I just, and I was like, what's your name? It lied to me, like snake or serpent name and then something else. I know it's lying and it made like serpent things and whatever else. And then at some point, I, I, I realized the Lord said to me, it's a Jezebel spirit and has been in this family line for hundreds of years. Comes from like Fuertrekkers. Jezebel spirit. And I was this, you could feel kingdoms clashing. I could feel the raw power of God coming upon this, this anger, this hatred toward evil and what it's doing to the children of God. And the other side, it was this devil in my face, like, I curse you, demon said. I curse you and cast me out, like, F you. And then I curse you. I said, you will not curse me in the name of Jesus. And what's going on about, you know, that the demons are terrified of me, you know, they hate me. And then it said something profound. It said, you are destroying the kingdom, the kingdom of darkness. I'm like, yes, come on. But I tell you, in the moment when the demon manifests and the power of God, you can feel kingdoms clashing. I want to tell you the devil is real. And I want to tell you, the devil works in Christians' lives. Most of us in the house need some form of deliverance. Sometimes it's not your stuff. It's generational things coming down, and it puts you in a corner. It tells you to shut up, and you struggle with stuff in your life, and you actually need deliverance. You know, a lot of churches want to run away from these kind of things. And the Lord said to me, many of my servants want nothing to do with deliverance. I'm calling you to bring deliverance. And I'm like, Jesus, I am in. I am in. I don't care how uncomfortable it is. I don't care what the world says about it. We will do the work of Jesus. Amen. Why? Because God wants to set people free. 
But you can't be like, I don't know, you know, you can't be like double-minded about these things. The kingdom of God comes with violence. And I tell you, in that moment when that deliverance came, it was like devil in my face and I am in your face. Kingdom of God is coming now. And she was beautifully set free. Beautifully set free. Tears running down her face. This thing has been tormenting her for so many years. Jesus delivers. Amen. Come on, give Jesus praise. He delivers. But the enemy wants to shut us up. And I must say, when these deliverance things happen, I'm like, God, help my neighbors. Because this is loud. I just turn the music up louder. <laughs> louder. <laughs> we'll go read the Bible. The demons scream, okay? That's what happened with Jesus. Uncomfortable? Yes. The will of God? Absolutely. Let's follow Jesus. Doesn't matter how uncomfortable. Let's follow Jesus. So I want to encourage us. So I want to show you a clip from the new chosen series, season four, about Jesus gently confronting the Pharisees. So gently. Let's look at how Jesus did it. Let's play. You Pharisees, you cleanse the outside of a cup and the dish. And then you eat and drink food that goes into a body that inside is full of greed and wickedness. You fools! Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give as alms those things that are within. Behold, everything is clean for you. Are you saying giving alms is more important than being ritually I'm clean? I'm saying that your obsession with what is clean and unclean was farther than God intended and does no good for anybody but yourself. We tithe everything so the poor can benefit. Down to the smallest plants grown in our garden. And to that I say woe to you Pharisees. You tithe mint and dill and cumin measuring carefully the last speck while neglecting what is actually important of the law. Justice and mercy and faithfulness. You blind guides straining out an act while swallowing a camel. Look at these people. What have you done to help them? We have taught them how to observe God's perfect law. What you actively defy and break and encourage others to deviate from it. All of you, this man is dangerous. He's leading you astray. His words bring hope and healing. His words are blasphemous. Heretical. And I say woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Take it back. Right now, you can't hear insulting words. Oh, I am just getting started. Woohoo! I am just getting started. I love that. I want to say that over us as a church, we are just getting started. And if we break off the fear of man, if we break off the limitations the enemy is trying to put upon our lives, we will see the kingdom come like we haven't seen before. But do you see it? Jesus face to face. We someone read the scriptures and we think, oh, that's nice. It was intense. There was pushback. There was accusations. Slander, her- heretic, leading the people astray. 
They were like telling everybody, stay away from Jesus. That is rocking the boat. Jesus has called us to rock the boat so that his kingdom can come. That is what he's called us to. So let's follow him. Let's follow him. Let's follow him. Let's, let's pursue Jesus wherever he leads to see his, his kingdom come. So John 14 verse 30, cause I was like, Lord Jesus, how did you do it? How do you stay on track? Cause all over your ministry, there was continuous conflict, continuous conflict for that three years. And you see it in the chosen series. If you watch it, you can see his like a lot of action. And I'm like, Jesus, how did you do it? Please, Lord, we needed to stay on track. So many voices, so many opinions. How do we stay on track? How do we lift the voice of God above every other voice? Because if we exalt, if we value the voice of man more than the voice of God, we will come under that fear of man and we will disobey the Lord and his kingdom won't come. So yet in this passage, Jesus gives us the answer. He says, I will no longer talk much with you. For the ruler of this world is coming. Talking about the devil. He's saying the devil is coming. And he does to all of us. At some point the enemy comes. He comes and he knocks on our doors. And Jesus then said. And he has nothing in me. He has nothing in me. Now that's the key. What does it mean? Nothing in me. That means. No idols. No other gods affect, no other affections. The affections are unto God. And Jesus gives us that answer. Even the next verse, he reveals that. It says in verse 31, but that the world may know that I love the father. You see there, my affections are for my father. I love God more than I love the world. I love God and his pleasure more than I love people. And trying to please people. So it says, but that the world may know that I love the Father. And as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. As the Father gave me commandment, so I do. Obedience is the proof of freedom from idols. You see, what you revere is what you will adhere What you fear is what you will obey. What you worship is what you will follow. If we worship pleasing people, if we, the praise of man or people, you know, pleasing people, if that is our thing, well, we're going to obey people. We're going to allow people to determine to us what we can do and what we can't do. What we should say or what we shouldn't say. People pleasing. But Jesus said he loves the father above everything and everyone. That was Jesus key. The people could come against him. The Pharisees could accuse him. Everybody had opinions. They tried to kill him multiple times. He went to his own hometown. It was wild. (laughs) And yet he just followed the father. So I'm like, Lord Jesus, I'm praying. I'm like, Lord, rip out every root of the fear of man from our being. Rip it out. Rip it out, Lord, that we might love you above everything else. Break off the fear of man, this wall, this limitation on the church of Jesus Christ that we might obey 
Jesus. You know, it's like Jesus says, hey, follow me. So now you've, Jesus is walking. He's saying, follow me. So now he is walking. If you have an idol in your heart, you're going to obey something else. So Jesus is walking. At some point, he looks back and he's like, where are you? Because you're following something else. Another God. Something else. It could be money. It could be pleasing people. It could be pleasure. It could be anything. You're not going to follow Jesus. Especially people pleasing. Fear of man. We have to trust the Lord to break that off our lives. Okay. So one of the biggest challenges for all of us is that from childhood, we are indoctrinated in a sense. We are conformed to fitting into society. Always about at school, you're terrified of being out. Want to be part of the cool crowd. I want to shake the boat. We are, we are continuously conformed to the spirit of this world. All of our lives, it's always about fitting in, not wanting to be ashamed, not look, want to look uncool, not being rejected, not feeling shame. So all our lives, that is the thing. Don't rock the boat. And then we find ourselves in this place of allowing that idol it becomes our ultimate desire. Oh, I just so want people to like me. Oh, I just so want people to be pleased with me. It becomes a false God. It becomes a false God that leads us into trouble. Okay, so we want to break that off. And what something what sometimes happens also is we experience pain, those moments in our lives where we experience the pain of being ashamed or being, you know, a moment in our lives where a family member or a friend or somebody in our environment, they do something or they say something and it wounds us in our heart and spirit. And then that thing comes in. Oh, I just so want to please people. You come under that thing. Okay, so we want to break that off today. We want to trust the Lord to heal hearts and break those things off our lives, especially family things. I want to say it again. I really felt the Lord say, my, my church is sick with the fear of man. People pleasing has made my church sick. So come on, let's trust the Lord. Let's trust the Lord that our greatest value is not just to be nice, but to love passionately God first and then others. So therefore, we will speak, we will share, we will share the truth with those around us. Okay, so now this is where it is challenging at times. Family relationships it can really be challenging. You know, and I see it in our church community. I see it. So many people are afraid of speaking the truth. Just don't want to offend somebody. Just don't want to upset somebody. And same with our kids. For those who are parents, it is your responsibility before the Lord to give your children the truth. To challenge them at times. It is your responsibility before the Lord. Because otherwise, who will if you don't do it? You need to. If you're a parent, you need like, hey, my boy, my daughter, as long as you are in this house, you will come to church. You will come to church. And you can sit in the corner moping, but you're going to come to church. That's my responsibility before the Lord. And then to challenge, it needs to be accountability. We need to be bold enough 
to give the truth to our children when we need to. And other relationships around us as well. How can we say we love people but we don't give them the truth? It is not the biggest thing in our, you know, it's like, it's just so want to make your kids happy. That, that is an idol. That is a, that is a, that, that can lead to ultimately to trouble. So in our home, we would challenge our son at times. We challenge him in terms of his spending time with the Lord. You know, and I know it's challenging, you know, the standards in our home is quite high. So <laughs> it is challenging. You know, my son sometimes is intimidated and challenged with his dad, you know, hours and hours in the morning from early, you know, praying and reading scripture and whatever. But I'm like, hey, but he needs to find his thing. But there's this, hey, you need to spend time with the Lord. Because if you're not spending time with the Lord, you're not going to make this. So how can I help you? And often we would help him. We'd sit with him. We'd go through the scriptures with him or we'd pray together. or We'd worship together. But it is my responsibility to lead my child to Jesus, to help him. And it's the same for every parent in the house. And if we pick up a bad attitude, then we confront it. You know? Because a bad attitude is a sign of what's happening in the heart. There's a bad heart. Something's not right. The enemy's trying to get in. Let's talk about that. Let's not be afraid to have the difficult discussions with our loved ones. This is critical. This is critical. There needs to be accountability. Even for me and my wife, there needs to be accountability. My wife should be able to challenge me if something is wrong or uh, my attitude's not right. Or we, we are supposed to be able to challenge one another. But so many people are terrified of rocking the boat. It's people pleasing. I just want peace. It's false peace. It's false peace. The prophets in the Old Testament, they prophesied peace, peace. When there was no peace. And that offends the Lord. And it's like boldness and following Jesus is at times with wisdom, with humility, with kindness. To have those difficult conversations. You need to. Come on, say it. I'm going to speak. You need to. You need to. It's your responsibility before the Lord in the same way for the people around us. At work and in the world. The enemy wants to shut us up. Just be nice. Well, people are going to go to hell. That is a trap. The fear of man is a trap. It is the biggest trap when it comes to the kingdom of God coming through the church of Jesus Christ. And we have to break it up. That's why I'm, we have to break it off. That's why I'm praying this week. I'm like, Lord, rip it out. That the root, every fear of man, so that we might have our eyes on the king of kings and follow. Doesn't matter how it offends. Doesn't matter how people would respond. We're going to follow Jesus. Amen. Come on, say it. I'm going to follow Jesus. Come on, let's break it off. There's this wall around the church that God is wanting to break off this demonic thing around the church. Like, just be nice, be quiet, don't shake the boat and rock the boat. No, let's rock the boat so that people can find Christ. Amen. Come on. Matthew 10, 34. Here Jesus speaks and he reveals, he comes and corrects our wrong understanding of the kingdom of God. It says, perhaps you think I've come to spread peace. And calm over the earth. But my coming will bring conflict and division, not peace. 
conflict and division, not peace. Because of me, because of Christ, a son will turn against his father. A daughter, her mother, and against her mother-in-law. Within your own families, you will find enemies. It's like with Sonica, when she, my wife, when she had to decide to be baptized in water. In that church tradition, it was like you are spitting in the eyes of God. If you were sprinkled as an infant, and now after coming to faith in Christ, you are baptized as a believer. That was the belief, that was the church tradition. You are spitting in the face of God. But that's what Jesus said. Your tradi- he rebuked the Pharisees and said, your tradition is causing the word of God to become void. They deceived. And so Sonica had to make the decision. Will I obey my, will I <laughs> obey my parents or will I obey Jesus? Let's obey Jesus. That is difficult. We've seen this in, in, in our church family, students who come to Christ and they want to be baptized and follow Jesus. Some of them, their parents said, we will disinherit you if you do this. What do you do? You follow Jesus. For the Jews who became Messianic Jews, believing Jesus is the Messiah, that is a massive step. The family rejects them, won't speak to them, will shame them. Talk about Muslims turning to Jesus. That is even there. They might kill you. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. At all costs, follow Jesus. And so that's what Jesus says there. You will have within your own families, you will find enemies. You know, when I became a believer at the age of 18, a first year student, you know, my dad and I, we had a really close relationship, loved him to bits. But when when he was younger, he was involved in a charismatic kind of church, a church that believes in the praying in the spirit in tongues or whatever else. But he got massively offended because they were hypocrites in that church. So they literally stole tens of thousands of rands from my dad. This is not like the 1990s or even early 80s. And they call themselves Christians. Their hypocrisy offended my dad. Hugely. So now I'm on fire for the Messiah. Same church kind of thing, you know, praying in the spirit and tongues and whatever, and passionate about Jesus, lacking wisdom, challenging my dad on a number of things. But me following Jesus brought a disconnect between me and my dad. It was terrible. It was really challenging. But what should I do? Follow Jesus. Follow my dad. You follow Jesus. And then so over the years, the relationship was mended, but always it was always such a challenge. Because I would like, when I would be preaching in Cape Town, I would invite my dad to come. It was just a mission to get him to come. <laughs> and he wouldn't necessarily enjoy it. And wouldn't be, you know, it was just like, oh, your, 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 your soul yearns for your dad to affirm you and to be proud of you. And I could just see he is not excited about my life. And then when he died, had a heart attack at the age of 70, driving down to the funeral in Cape Town. And then I, it came out through the grapevine family lines, you know, what my dad really felt about me and my calling and church and, Yo, broke my heart. I wept. It's terrible. Losing my dad. And hearing. 
how he feels, you know. But what do you do? You follow Jesus. You follow Jesus. The Lord spoke to me even as my dad passed away and God told me that my heavenly father will fill every void in my heart and life. He is my everything. Who will you follow? The voice of man or the voice of God? Who will you follow? People pleasing or God pleasing? And this is part of the journey. As you follow, as you pursue him, instead of people, you die to self. But for some of us, I feel like we need healing in our hearts from some of the disappointments that you might have had in the past. Allow the Lord. Allow the Lord to work this in you. But we need to honor the Lord. And in our relationships, be always bold enough to do the will of God, no matter how uncomfortable it is. Let's follow the Lord. Come on, say it. I'm going to follow the Lord. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Wherever, whenever. You ask for wisdom and everything for how-tos, but then you just obey him. So Matthew 10 verse 37. So Jesus continues and he says, whoever loves father or mother or son or daughter more than me is not fit to be my disciple. Whew. Whoever loves father or mother or son or daughter more than me is not fit to be my disciple. Because you don't qualify. Why? Because you're not going to follow. A disciple follows. But if we love family more than Jesus, we're going to, we're going to err to people pleasing. We're going to err to be quiet. We're going to err to the side of not doing and saying what we need to do and say. And then he continues and says, whoever comes to me must follow in my steps and be willing to share my cross and experience it as his own. Or he cannot, come on, say cannot, cannot be considered to be my disciple. All who seek to live apart from me will lose it all. Lose it all. And those who let go of their lives for my sake and surrender it all to me will discover true life. True life. So this is the challenge. Is Jesus above it all? Because if anything else is more important than Jesus, we're going to lose our way. We're going to go off track. If our children is more important or marriage or family or whatever else, your image, public image. What, if anything is more important to you than Jesus, you're not going to follow him. You're going to miss out on it. And that's why it's so important for us to break this off because at times we need, you know, you can see someone, if they continue on this path, they're going to like jump off a cliff. They're going to walk off a cliff spiritually, emotionally speaking. And then we have to challenge people. And it's not nice when people are offended. Eh? But you have to you have to speak the truth. You say, hey, if you keep on going on this road, these this is the consequences of your life. It's, it, this, this is the challenge. Everything about the kingdom of God is offensive to this world. Everything. Everything in this kingdom is offensive to this world. To declare Jesus is the way. The only way. That's offensive. To declare Jesus is the only way. He is the king of glory. 
that is offensive, but it's the truth. Jesus claimed to be God. And then he died and then he was risen from the dead and he was seen by 500 people after being risen from the dead. No other religion in the world is anything like we can have confidence to claim Jesus is the way, the only way. But it's offensive. It's offensive to tell the Muslim, hey, you can only be saved in Jesus. You need to turn to Christ. Yes, it might cost you your life. Your family might reject you. They might even try to kill you. Jesus is the only way to life, eternal life. Amen. The kingdom is offensive. Any soul, any man, any woman, any child, if they die without Christ, they are eternally lost. We cannot be confused about that. It is offensive, but it's the truth. If we honor God, we're going to talk about it. We're going to say, we're going to share with people. We're going to tell them our story of what Jesus did in our lives. And then we're going to say, hey, you need Jesus. And then we, before that we do that, we violently pray in the spirit. And we trust God for, for, for his Holy Spirit to bring life into their heart. And then at some point, by the wisdom of God, knowing our timing and how to do it, then we sit with him and then we say, hey, if it's your child, my boy, my, my girl, if you stay on this road, I see trouble in your future. You need to turn to Jesus. I can see your heart is far from the Lord. So we have to be bold enough to have those those talks. Amen. Have those talks. Have have those discussions. You might have only one opportunity for somebody's eternity. It happened to me some years ago. My grandmother, who was in Cape Town, she was placed in hospital and she was in a coma and then at some point uh, we were in East London and it was supernatural but I actually had to do a wedding in Cape Town so I flew down at the same time I'm in Cape Town and my grandmother is in a like in a coma in a hospital so I was like this much she's like 80 something years old this might be my last chance so I go there meet with my uncle there and I'm like praying before the time Lord I pray for my grandmother. I've shared the gospel with her before, but she was like, not interested to bite this thing. Nice woman, nice lady. And then I'm in the hospital next to her bed, and then she wakes up. And then I said, grandmother, <laughs> Jesus, you need Jesus. And she actually, in of, our, of her own accord, she said, Something along the lines like, you know, this, the, the, these times your profession is much needed. I said, yes. So I prayed with her right there to surrender her life to Jesus. And she died about a day later. Sometimes you have one opportunity. You have to take it. You have to take it or there's blood on our hands. You have to take it because there's a soul hanging in the balance. The greatest love that we can show people in this life is at times to ask this question. If you would die today, do you know where you're going? Because only Jesus can save you. I asked the youth last night and I pushed it. (laughs) Do you know where you're going? If you die, search your heart. If you do, you know where you are going, because only Jesus 
can save you. There is no other way. Oh, it was beautiful as the young people responded. We could pray for them and they could experience God encounters. And the number of them were beautifully, miraculously healed of conditions that plagued them for years. You should see their faces. The one boy, when we prayed for his knee, there's been like for three plus years, like pain in his knee, can't do sport. And I'm like, test, Jesus healed you. And he goes like, and he tests, he's like, oh, yep, Jesus loves you. He's real. He's alive. He's alive and he loves you. Surrender your life to Jesus. Come on. The Lord hasn't called us to be silent and to sit in a corner. He's called us to speak the truth. Okay, almost last verse, Matthew 12, verse 46. It continues, it says, while he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brothers stood outside seeking to speak with him. So Jesus having this meeting and then his mother and his brothers outside. Now his brothers thought they was nuts. He thought like, didn't have all these little piggies. He's crazy. His brother has things. He's the Messiah. Now we know better. His mother and his brother stood outside seeking to speak with him. Then one said to him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. But he answered and said to the one who told him, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand toward his disciples and said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Such a powerful scripture. Jesus draws a line between familial, like blood family and spiritual family. He draws a line and he says spiritual family is more important than physical family. That is just offensive. But it makes, it, it makes complete sense. I tell the moment I came to Christ as an 18 year old, I immediately knew that this, my family, spiritual family, those who are following Jesus, more important. Do I love my family? Yes, I do. And I'm praying for them and I'm there and we phone and we do all those things. Yes. But spiritual family is massive. Those who obey because the Lord knows how hard it is when your family do not follow Jesus. And who don't obey the Lord. We need community. Because in community we are strengthened and encouraged. And we stay on track. So here's five things. Very quickly. Five things. The importance of spiritual family. Number one. It's a command from Jesus. Do not neglect the gathering of the saints. If you find yourself on Sundays or other times not in community. You're disobeying the command of Jesus. We obey because his word says it. Finish and claw. Find yourself in community. And not only attend, get involved. Community is critical. Why? Because number two, covering. Supernatural protection in the house of God. We're under a covering. Spiritual covering, protection. Number three, community, fellowship and encouragement in the trials and challenges of life. We need encouragement, community, fellowship. Number four, in the house of God, we are confronted with the truth to keep us out of deception. You need to expose yourself to the word of God over and over again so you can stay on track. Number five, cultivation. This is where you will grow, in community. You're going to grow. One of the first schemes of the enemy is to isolate believers. It's like the sheep outside of the fold, the wolf is going to chow. Okay? 
So be in community. Make it part of your lifestyle. Right, last verse I quickly want to read. So 1 Corinthians 4, 12 to 13. This is the Apostle Paul. And this is like the ultimate marketing for becoming a believer. It's so good news. It's like everybody in the whole world is going to storm to Jesus after they hear this. Paul said, we work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. We have become the scum of the earth. Woohoo! Let's get excited about that. Put that on your, on your fridge. Promise of the day. We are the scum of the earth. The garbage of the world. Right up to this moment. Yes! Wherever Paul went, the kingdom came and the world was turned upside down. He rocked the boat with the truth of the gospel result was hated despised rejected persecuted but it's like all for jesus my eyes on christ i'm going to follow the king no matter how uncomfortable it is i want to see lives changed for the glory of jesus amen follow the lord Break off the fear of man. Who cares what people say? The benefits of the kingdom is like for all of eternity, God most high will say, this is my, my, my faithful servant in whom I'm well pleased. I'm in for that. Who the heck cares what people say? Amen. I love this uh, story. I was, I was watching a video with the Jeremy Riddle. Uh, it was a well-known famous uh, worship leader anointed worship leader and he was uh, in a in a you know he was at bethel church and uh and he says he, they, they were worshiping jesus and he says they were like an hour and a half into worship hour and a half he says his fingers were sore he wanted to land the plane he looked at the audience everybody was sitting it's like land the plane and then he looked at bill johnson the man was standing arms in the air, eyes closed, worshiping Jesus. Then he said, we will continue. That inspires me. Because if we follow people, we're not going to go for all of Jesus. But if our eyes are on the cloud, if our eyes are on Jesus, we're going to like, let's go for the more. Let's go deeper. Let's continue to worship. Let's continue to pray. Let's be violent in the spirit because we are seeing the kingdom of God coming. Amen. If we people please, we're not going to follow Jesus. This is one of the most difficult things of church leadership. Are we following the people? Are we following Jesus? Same thing in every other leadership position. Are we following the people? Are we following Jesus? I want to encourage you, follow Jesus. Wherever you find yourself, follow Jesus, even if it's uncomfortable. Follow Jesus. That is our passion. That is our motto. That is our mission. Revival to hearts, homes, and cities. And you don't do that by people pleasing. You do that by following Jesus. Amen. So I want to just highlight four things very quickly, just about how to break off the fear of man. Uh, you, You can stand with me. Stand with me. Stand with me. Worship team. How do we overcome the fear of man? First message. Be in awe of God. In awe of him. 
The fear of God heals us from the fear of man. The fear of God. The fear of God makes us deal with hypocrisy in our lives. The fear of God moves us forward to do the will of God. Be in awe of God. Number two, confront the fear. In other words, just do it afraid. Just do it. Don't wait until you have 100% peace. Something must just obey the Lord. You have the discussion with somebody. It's super uncomfortable, but you're going to share the truth. And then you die to self. It's a wonderful process of dying to self. Number three, renounce the fear of man. You have to renounce it. It's a devil that wants to bind you and silence you and keep you outside of the will of God. Number four, receive divine boldness, a divine empowerment from the Lord. Amen. Jesus above it all. Jesus above it all. Eyes on him, hearts on him. I want to again say it as Jesus said, I am just getting started. Come on, we are just getting started. The Lord wants to break down the walls. He wants to remove the fear of man, the people pleasing, so that we can have authentic discussions, sharing with people in our lives. Bring the truth into your relationships. Have those difficult discussions. Deal with the things in your life. Hallelujah. Jesus above it all. Jesus above it all. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.